This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, February 13th, 2023 edition. And as we start this week, I want to start off by going back to the basics. And when I say the basics, I'm talking about the basics of economics, of business, of markets. And one of the first things you learn in business school is the simple concept of supply and demand. Now, I love giving you guys some perspective that helps you break free of the normal bad decisions people make when they are new to investing or just simply guided by headlines uh, and their own emotions. And one of those things is by only focusing on demand. When people look at investments, you know, they say, oh, hey, is there going to be more demand for this or less demand for this? You know, a good example is electric vehicles. Everyone chasing electric vehicles because, oh, there's going to be more demand. Well, let me tell you about what makes for good investments. And I will tell you this. I will tell you that it isn't nearly as much about demand as it is supply. People focus way too much on the demand side and focus not nearly enough to understand what's happening on the supply side. And you can be reminded of just the past few years of what happens when supply is limited. What happens? Prices go up. And on top of that, you have cycles. There are cycles, both short, medium, and long-term, in pretty much every market. And supply is a big reason why those cycles happen. Supply moves a lot more than demand, typically, in one way or the other. And this all comes down to capital cycles. And there are many industries that are very prone to this. Semiconductor industry is one. Airline industry is one. And what happens is when investment is low, it creates a dearth of supply. And eventually, demand overwhelms that supply. Margins expand. The companies that do have the supply that maybe did invest or have, you know, assets to 
per, to create supply in, in whatever industry they're in, they make a lot of money. And what happens, the competitors that were maybe behind or maybe new entrants, they'll come in and they will invest in new capacity. And what happens is too much capacity comes online, too much supply comes online, and the cycle moves the other way. Okay. And so that's what happens in many, many industries. Okay. And it brings disappointing investment returns on the other side because supply over is, is too much. Companies have to cut and their margins obviously dwindle and many times go negative. And so this is the capital cycle that happens in many, many industries. This happened in 2000, right? When people overinvested in fiber optic cables. Remember that? You had WorldCom crashing because they put on too much debt. They created too much supply of, of fiber optic cables within the market. This happened in the global shipping industry in 2000, 2007, when commodity prices were going crazy and they didn't have enough ships. Well, ships take three years to build. They started building a bunch in 2004 or 2009 in that era. And global dry bulk fleet went from 75 to 150. And what happened was margins fell 90%, or sorry, prices for shipping fell 90% because there was oversupply. That's what happened in 2005 to 2008, right? Oversupply of homes for the true end demand. Are you seeing how these cycles play out? And if you look back in history, and there's a study, this is by Societal General, and they looked at companies with the highest asset growth and the lowest asset growth oh, from 1990 to 2015. You want to know what? The companies with the highest asset growth over that time had an average annual return of about five, five and a half percent. The companies with the lowest asset growth over that time in the bottom 10%, so that was the top 10% of asset growth. In the bottom 10%, their average annual return crushed everything else, nearly 12% annualized. And so while most investors spend the vast majority of their time trying to forecast demand, which frankly is probably more difficult, it's more difficult to forecast demand than it is supply. And the studies show that supply is more important. It's not as sexy. It's not as cool to think about CapEx cycles, R&D investment, understanding the dynamics in the industry, how much supply is coming on. Or, be, or being taken off. That's not as cool as saying, oh, there's going to be a boom in demand in X, Y, and Z. Well, first off, that boom in demand is usually 
over forecasted. And so when you're making investment decisions, make sure that you are weighing both supply and demand. And frankly, the numbers bore out that you should be focusing a lot more on supply than demand. Okay. No, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm here on today's radio show and program to help you make the most of your capital. So our 24-hour listen line is open, ready for your questions at 888-99-CHART. And after the break, we're going to dig into the markets and what happened today. But the stock market is constantly changing, so you must have finance investor questions ready for me. You set the agenda today, so give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Get ready for a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar, Value Investing, Positioning Your Portfolio for Profitability, Relative Price, and Dividend Payments. The Wealth Webinar will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios, providing real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow clients' wealth. The webinar will be anchored by KPP Financial CEO and InvestTalk host, Justin Klein, and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Be sure to tell your friends and family members it's free and you can register now at investtalk.com. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today concerns the story behind this statement. In isolation, your net worth statement may not tell you much at first, but over time, a realistic summary of your assets and liabilities is a crucial first step to start getting a handle on your finances. So we're going to look at that. I also want to touch a bit on AI and the AI boom and how to think about it in context to history. I also want to touch a bit on the uh, CPI and where that is like where inflation is likely headed going forward because it's certainly um, an important measure that's going to be followed throughout the year and there's a lot of cross currents so we're going to dig in that into that and then lastly housing where is the weakest market or weakest area of the country overall? We also have some voice bank questions to play for you. One is in regards to Dogs of the Dow, and another in is NSSC, NAPCO, NAPCO Security Technologies. So we're going to look at those, as well as some iTunes review questions as well. And my perspective today concerns the real impact of inflation on buying power of the U.S. dollar over the last 103 years. So I'll try to fit that in around the halfway point of the podcast. So that's what we have on the docket, but ultimately... It's about what is on your mind. So give us a call, 888-99-CHART. Let's check in on the market today. 
The S&P was up about 46 points, so a little pullback last week. And we obviously have the CPI number coming out tomorrow. That's going to be a market moving, market moving event one way or the other. And overall, today was a continuation of the bull run that we've had since October. And you know, this was really on the back of the dollar being a bit weaker today. Uh, last week, the dollar was strong. And so that was uh, tightening liquidity conditions. The 10-year fell about two, almost three basis points today. So a little bit of pause there on uh, rates going up. So uh, really a good start to the week, but we were a bit oversold. So we'll see if we get some follow through tomorrow on that CPI number. Now let's go talk to Bill. He's in San Diego. He wants to look at two companies, Melly and KHC. Hi, Justin. It's Bill. How you doing, Bill? I love your show. Thank I can't you. pronounce the name, but it's M E L I. All right. Mercado Libre. Good for you. There you go. Do you know Mercado. it? Uh, I know it. Yes. Uh, this is an or Argentine company. Argentine, Argentine company. Yeah. And they've been kind of all over the board historically when it comes to profitability. Now, earnings this year are expected to go up dramatically. Now, I don't know enough about the business to really say why that is. But if it's if it's if it does grow earnings that much, obviously that's going to make it realistic to have a high multiple. But even at that level, multiple is too high. Um, so I think it's just too expensive in, in my mind. And then you have Argentina, the geopolitical risk. Usually these South American companies they trade at discounts to the broad market, not premium. So. Uh, I, I would yeah, not be chasing Mercado Libre. That's right. Okay. Thank you for that information. The no second problem. is KHC. It was in your newsletter. Uh-huh. Uh, did some research. I like what I, I saw, but it it did say it had that um, a low three percent per year sales growth. Does that bother you? Well, no. I mean, it's a steady business. It's Kraft Heinz. Obviously, they make beverages, cheese, uh, ketchup, condiments, things like that. So, very good, very good business. You know, consistent business over time. Uh, but it also, once again, is slow growth. So, uh, it's a it's a good business. I would say it's about fairly valued at the current time. I wouldn't say it's necessarily cheap or expensive. So, I don't think you're getting a bargain, but you're getting a good business at a fair price. And obviously that's better oh, than a, a bad business at a, at a, at a good price. So uh, yeah. it's sh- certainly on the watch list, but I wouldn't say it's a screaming buy at the moment. I love your newsletter. And I like this stock tip. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Now we're heading into a break and I welcome your finance and investment questions. Now, no question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda, so give us a call on Invest Talk at 888 chart Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. What's your question? Would you recommend to put all my funds right away in the market? Or you recommend dollar cost average. Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART.
One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point today concerns the story behind this statement. In isolation, your net worth statement may not tell you much for at first, but if you track it over time, it can give you a realistic understanding of where you sit financially. And this is the way to get this is by taking a, a snapshot of all your assets, taxable accounts, tax deferred accounts like IRAs, 401ks, your real estate, and then personal property. And then what are your liabilities? Mortgage, other types of loans, car loans, uh, student loans, et cetera. And you really want to be tracking this over time to see what type of progress you are making and at what speed. Now, the first thing to look at is your debt ratio. And so we need to add up your monthly payments for all of your debt. Mortgage, student loans, auto loans, credit card debt, et cetera. And divide that by your monthly gross income, pre-tax gross. Okay, And if that is above 43%, that's a problem that is a level where it can be hard to get an additional loan because lenders don't like to see that rise kind of above that uh, mid-40s level. So focus on paying off any high-interest loans first. That's going to free up more cash flow. For your other goals. And then emergency fund. This is something uh, I talk to clients a lot about when we're building financial plans. It's uh, the typical recommendation is three to six months worth of living expenses in cash or ultra low risk, highly liquid assets. Think savings accounts, money market accounts, high yield savings accounts, etc. And this is really to cover unforeseen events, either getting laid off or auto repairs, appliance replacement, home repairs, etc. And when you're looking to the asset side, you want to be thinking about a diversity. Don't being don't become overly concentrated in one particular asset class. A lot of people did that in 2005. Right, over leveraging themselves to residential real estate. And that's the first problem was leverage. And the second is getting too tied into an illiquid asset like residential real estate. That just goes for all different types of illiquid assets. You want to have a sizable portion of your money in liquid assets. Doesn't mean it has to be cash, but think equities, mutual funds, ETFs, bonds. Things that can be sold in a day. And so consistently directing money towards tax deferred accounts. Roth IRA is a great one, right? Because you can take the initial investment out whenever you want, penalty and tax free. And then above that, you can you can start to invest in other assets. It could be a taxable account if you already have a lot of Real estate assets, for example, it's good to have that diversity. And then when it comes to 
being too concentrated in one particular investment. And for a lot of people, that's their company stock. They get discounts to buy the stock every, every paycheck. And so it's kind of easy to say, oh, I'm getting this discount. I'm getting a deal. I need to allocate as much as I can towards that. And that's, there's certainly uh, some thinking to that. But over time, you probably want to be selling those positions for gains, long-term capital gains, hopefully, uh, and reducing your over-reliance on one particular company, especially when your ability to generate income and earn a living is also tied to that company. So think what happened with Enron. All those people who had all of their retirement assets tied up in one company along with their paycheck, suddenly the company went bankrupt. And boom, both sides of the ledger were catastrophic. And then, you know, life is complicated. And having too many different accounts spread across different institutions, different different account types, that can be hectic. And it's easy. I see this all the time. And we do this for clients a lot is, hey, I have all these accounts spread all over. I have an IRA here. I have an IRA there. I have a Roth IRA here. And I think I have this old 401k. I don't know if it's a 401k. It might have been a 403b. I have an HSA. I have all these different types of accounts that are spread out. So consolidation definitely helps simplify your life, simplify your, the investment process. And it also will simplify it for family members in case you become ill, incapacitated, pass away, etc. So trying to consolidate those will definitely help. But those are things to look at when you're looking at your overall net worth statement, but something you definitely want to track over time to, especially when you have a lot of moving parts, it, it can be easy to get caught up in the minutia and ignore the big picture. And obviously the big picture is you want to be growing your net worth over time to reach your ultimate goal, which is financial freedom. And that's why you're here. Now, the next invest stock, the story behind this question, what's the outlook for bank stocks after a rough 2022? That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-SHARE. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. 
there's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, Bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin. I'm Steve. This is uh, Lance from New Orleans. Got a question about NAPCO Security Technologies, NSSC. I'd like to find out what's your opinion on the company going forward. And also, should I be concerned that the board chair and the uh, CEO just recently sold two million of their personal shares at uh, thirty-one fifty. Is this a bad thing? Is it really dilution, or is it a, a spot for some support? Appreciate the show. Learned a lot. Thanks. Well, you definitely should be a bit concerned if the executives within the company are are dumping shares beyond just their normal sales pattern. A lot of Companies have executives whose compensation is in stock or options, and they sell at a consistent rate to monetize that and to diversify themselves financially, which is it's just fine. But when you see kind of one-off sales, that does worry me, especially when the stock's up pretty dramatically. And it has been, especially since May, it was trading around $16 then, and now it's around 33 and change, and they sold at 31 and change. So that is something to consider. Now, what does NAPCO Security Technologies do? Well, they make fire alarm, building access control systems, electronic locking devices, uh, intrusion alarms, etc. And the one thing I like about this business is that it has been consistently growing. And it's profitable, and they have very they managed to have no debt on their balance sheet, so that's good. Management owns twenty two percent of the business, so that's good. And historically, they've been very profitable. But I want to know why sales have 
really hit this step change higher. 2021, they made 41 cents. 2022, they made 42 cents. This year, they're supposed to make 81 cents. And then $1.14 next year. And analysts are upgrading that. So what is it? I really need to know what that is. Is there some sort of distribution contract that they signed? I, I need to know that so I know how consistently to expect this growth. Because right now, even if you go based on next year's earnings, it's trading about 30 times. So that's a pretty hefty multiple. But if they can grow at mid-20s sales growth and earnings at 41%, like they're expected to do for, for next year, and 93% that they're expected to do for this year, that's obviously worth it. I'm going to pay that if that's sustainable. But I really need to know that if this is mean reverting or there's something different about the business. Once again, I like that they have a history of profitability and cash flow and earnings, but they don't have a history of this type of growth. So I need, to an need an answer to why this recent growth is happening and if it's sustainable or not. If I feel like it is, then this would be a good buy. Thanks for the call. Now let's keep things moving and play two in a row from our 24-7 listener line, 888-99 chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. It's Art from Tucson. Hey, I was wondering what you thought about the dogs of the Dow investment strategy for 2023. Just to give you the freedom to discuss some of the stocks, three of the dogs of the Dow is usually the top 10 that are down the most in the Dow industrial average, as I understand it. I was looking at 3M. MMM, Intel, INTC, and uh, Walgreens, WBA. Uh, those are three that are really down significantly. Just wondered what you thought about that theory. It's supposed to give uh, superior gains over um, a lot of years, at least. And I'll listen to your answer on the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Well, the dogs of the Dow aren't the 10 that are down the most. It's the 10 highest yielding, dividend-yielding stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average at the beginning of each year. And for this year, 2023, it'd be Verizon. It's about 6.6% yield. Dow, chemical, 5.5. Intel, 5.5. Walgreens Boots, 5.14. 3M, right around 5%. IBM at 4.68. Amgen, 3 and a quarter. Cisco, 3.2. Chevron, 3.16 and JP Morgan, right around 3%. So those are the dogs of the Dow for this year. Now, is it better than just owning the Dow outright? Yes, numbers play out. However, this is just simply a value strategy. It's really what it is. You're using one simple metric, a decent metric, but only one metric. And some of these companies I would invest in, some of them not so much. And because you know, it doesn't take into account leverage, quality of their earnings, growth, things like that, that I think are important. And they never say they're important. So is this better than just buying the Dow? Yes. And it's very easy. But that doesn't mean it's the best strategy. It's simply a better strategy than owning the Dow. And that's not saying Okay, so you, you listed off some stocks. Some of those are good, not so good, like I said. So 
you know, we would, you're, you're not getting a lot of diversity. First off, that's a big problem. Only 10 stocks. The numbers say, hey, you need about 20, 25 different names to be properly diversified. And remember, the Dow is 30 names. This is Dow is the worst. The worst. And this is one of those things that I don't talk about much because I feel like I've talked about it over the years so many times, but I know there's a lot of new investors, newer listeners. But the Dow Jones, even though it's talked about a lot, what did the Dow do? It's the biggest number, right? So if it moves 300 points, that sounds like a lot. Well, in reality, if the S&P moves 50 and the Dow moves 300, the S&P moves a lot more than the Dow percentage-wise. And it's price cap weighted. It's literally, I don't want to use bad words, but it's literally the worst index ever to even pay attention to. It has no basis in understanding of what the market is doing or has done. But once again, it dogs the Dow strategy. It's better than average, but it's still not great. Now, the stock market is constantly changing, so you must have finance and questions uh, for me. So I'm ready to take your question right now at 888-99-CHART. Now, let's pivot over to inflation. We've talked about all last year, and it's still going to be a story for a lot of this year. Probably not the main story because growth is also going to be a big story, but let's touch on CPI. CPI is coming out tomorrow and December. So CPI is coming out for the month of January. In the month of December, CPI was about 9.5%. Now that's down from the June peak of 9.1%, right? 9.1 to 6.5. And even Jerome Powell, Fed Chair, says the process has begun for bringing down inflation. And core inflation in December was 5.7. And the market is pricing it to go back down to two by early next year. Now, there's different components to inflation. One is obviously goods inflation. That was the one that really took off, especially after all the supply chain problems. And core goods rose 12.3% as of February last year, year over year. But if you go look at just December, a couple months ago, that was down to 2.1% year over year. And goods represent about 22% of CPI. So because it's going to continue to decelerate, and in fact, if you look at goods prices over a three-month basis, as of December, core goods actually fell at a 4.8% annualized rate. So core goods deflation will shave off about 0.4 percentage points of overall inflation by the end of this year, or by December. Now, then there's rent. And this is one of those most lagging parts of the inflation figure. And as of December, it was 5.7%. Sorry, sorry, contributed more than half of December's 5.7% core CPI number. And it's forecasted to fall from 8.1% in March uh, to 5.3% in December. And CPI's housing measure grew 7.5% in December. But remember, what they're looking at are existing and new leases, meaning... The leases that were signed 
in March of last year for 12 months that were uh, at a time when rent rents were still mooning. They're calculated in today's inflation number, even though that lease was signed a year ago, nearly a year ago. And if you look at Zillow's index of new leases, they declined at a three-month annualized rate of 3% as of December. So over the next year and probably more like 18 months, this is going to continue to decelerate no matter what, almost. So housing is just 15% of the PC index. And so it has less influence, but it's still dragging inflation higher than the reality. Okay. Now it's still running uh, right around, uh, sorry, okay. Then the next is core services. That's running right around 4% right now. And this is driven really by wage inflation. And wage inflation, if you look at hourly pay for private sector workers, that was at an annual rate of 4.6% through January compared to an average rate of 3.3% in 2018 and 19. And so really this is all about wage inflation. Pay for non-management workers and services grew 4% in January. That's down from 9.7% in October of 2021. So it shows you that there's still, uh, it's come down a lot, but it's still not to levels, pre-pandemic levels. Okay, and remember the Fed's monetary policy operates with a lag. So we're just starting to feel the big rate increases from the middle of last year. And that's why the market is expecting inflation to continue to decelerate uh, through, through, through the year. I think the biggest risk of the markets will be how sticky are parts of that inflation calculation, especially the labor market with uh, unemployment rates so low uh, the Fed is kind of kind of wants that to go up, and if it remains sticky low and and uh, wage growth remains sticky high, that could throw a wrench in the markets as a whole. So that's where I see the uh, biggest risk to the markets this year. But I wanted to give you a rundown of where inflation is coming from and what to pay attention to, and what maybe not to pay attention to. Now, my perspective today concerns the real impact of inflation on the buying power of the U.S. dollar over time, specifically over the last 103 years. And let me remind you that the worst year in stock market history, it was 1931. And it was the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which we just talked about, that was created in 1896 by Charles Dow and Edward Jones. But in 1931, the Dow Jones lost 52.6%. The SP wasn't even around back then. Now, looking at stock market returns since 1920, if you invested $100 in the SP 500 at the beginning of 1920, you would have 20, sorry, you'd have $2,315,000, assuming you reinvested all the dividends. That's 10.25% annually. Now, the lump sum investment beat inflation during the same 103-year period for an inflation-adjusted return of 155958 or 7.4% in real terms. Okay, So remember, there's nominal and there's real, and you always have to adjust for that. 
Now, the value of $100 in 1920 to 2023, well, $100 in 1920 is equivalent to the purchasing power of about $1,484 today. The dollar has an average inflation rate over that time of 2.65%. That means that today's price prices are 14.84% higher, times as high as the average price since 1920. So the dollar only buys you about 6.7% of what it could buy you back then. Now, the inflation rate in 1920, that was 15.6%. So if you think now inflation's high, just look back then. But what's most important here is to understand that your investments typically beat inflation. If, if you are in the right investments. And to go back to the top of my show, and my point at the beginning was the companies that are more consistently producing cash flow, meaning they're not chasing after returns. Their returns are coming to them. They don't have to expand their asset base in order to keep up with the Joneses within their sector. Those are the names that yield 12% annually over long periods of time. So while inflation is important to look at, you have to look at both sides of the ledger. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. We're going to go to Kansas and talk with Matthew looking at Haynes Brands. Hey, Justin, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Are you looking at Haynes Brands? Do you own it or, or looking to buy it? Uh, I own probably about a 60% position. I bought at uh, 565 the other day, but I'm looking at it for 10, 15-year hold. I know the current quarter is looking at a negative six, $0.06 cents earnings, but then it's going to go back positive. What's your thoughts about just buying this here and being able to hold it 10 or 15 years for – the dividend only. Well, that's the problem with that is that the dividend is not sacrosanct. It is not guaranteed. And in fact, it's likely to be cut and frankly, likely to be eliminated. And a big reason for that is very simple. Lots of debt has about $3.9 billion in long-term debt, $2 billion market cap. Guess what its free cash flow is trailing 12 months? It's about negative $573 million. Cash flow from operations, 
negative $358 million over the trailing 12 months. So sure, the analysts are expecting it to go back positive soon, but I don't think it can dig itself out of this hole. Why? It's very simple here. More and more shopping online. Hanes was the standard underwear brand. And when you go shopping in regular stores, Walmart, Target, uh, department stores, in the past, they only had so much shelf space for underwear. And guess what? You got to own, you got to have Hanes. You got to stock Hanes, right? As one of them, maybe you have a couple other brands, but you got to have Hanes. It's the underwear brand. But as more and more department stores have gone out, and as more and more people have begun to shop online, Amazon, for example, there's a lot more to choose from. And so their margins have shrunk dramatically. And you think of all the people that are buying boutique brands because they're advertising on Instagram, for example. All of these factors means major headwinds to profitability for Haynes. And that does not mix well with a highly levered balance sheet. And so their dividend is likely to be eliminated so that they can start to pay down that debt. This is what we call a classic value trap. This is the epitome of a value trap. Everyone looking at the shiny object of a 10% dividend yield, looking at a brand that they recognize, but then not doing the work to say, can they pay that dividend? Is their business going to be supportive of the debt? Is this company headed for bankruptcy? And if it is, your equity's wiped out. $5.82 might sound cheap, but it's drastically expensive for a company that's bankrupt. And not to say they're going to go bankrupt this year or next year, but frankly, it looks like the path they're headed towards. I just really don't see another way out of it. Maybe they pull it out of it. Uh, maybe. It's only, always possible. But I don't like the trends in the business. So I'm passing on what I see as a value trap. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley, and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. Now we've hit 49.7 million downloads. And that means we should be at the 50 million mark sometime later next week. It's going to be exciting. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. 
InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.